So last time we were here together in Matthew Church, we talked about how Jesus now is finally starting to conclude this long sermon on the mount. And we know that because he's now in this larger portion of his message, finishing by showing that with everything he said, there really is only two options concerning a response to him. Only, only two options. And remember, he showed that last time we were here in Matthew by talking about the two different gates in two ways. And then this week, we'll see him talk about two different types of trees in his analogy. And then next week, he's going to talk about two different kind of, kinds of confessions we can make about him, which then finally will lead Jesus to end this Sermon on the Mount by talking about two different foundations we can build our lives upon. Right, The sand versus the rock of following him. And all that matters because as we talked about last time, that really then does show us that Jesus wants us to know that when everything is boiled down, there really is only two options now in this world since he's come. Number one is, is really trusting him and accepting him as your savior and your king and therefore living in God's kingdom. Well, number two is not actually doing that. Right, so that's, that's where we are in the Sermon on the Mount. But that now leads us specifically to this week's version of the two options. And that's again Jesus' analogy of how there's, or how we are, one of two different types of trees. Two different types of trees. And concerning all the different two options that Jesus talks about, right, two ways, two trees, two confessions, two foundations, it is this one which really in a way is surprising and I think it's the most humbling to us. The most humbling to us. Or to say it another way, it's this analogy of two trees that makes us realize, perhaps more than the others, that church, we can't do this on our own. That this isn't just some decision we make in our lives. That we can't just muster up the willpower to be followers of Jesus and how Jesus is thinking about all this. Or to say it one last way, this analogy from Jesus to these two types of trees shows us that in the end, man, we really need God's grace. And, and why? why? Why do we say that? Well, it's because think about it. We can, we can hear about the two different gates and the two different paths, and therefore, we can kind of mainly think it's up to us to choose the correct gate and to walk the right path. And we can hear about making the right confession, which we'll talk about next week, and we can think that's mainly up to us. Or finally, we can hear about building our foundation upon Jesus, and we can think that's mainly up to us. But what about this version of the two options with this two trees analogy this morning? What about no longer being diseased trees and instead becoming healthy trees like you heard in the scripture reading? Do we merely choose that? Can we do that by ourselves? Well, in Jesus' analogy, the answer actually is no. <laughs> Not at all. And that's what I hope we all come to realize even as we begin here this morning. Because just like a diseased tree, right, if it's actually diseased, it, it cannot make itself healthy. So for us, in Jesus' analogy this morning, what we'll see is the reality is we are all diseased trees by nature. And we, we know that from all over the Bible. We are all sinful in ourselves apart from God by nature. And yet, Jesus here is implying that in order to know him and to follow him and produce good fruit, we must somehow first become healthy trees. Which means we need a changing, a, a transformation, a forgiving to happen to us first in order to follow Jesus. Right? We need God's grace first to be a different type of tree. We need something much more drastic than a mere decision. 
And so once again, from the outset, I just, I just hope we, we all know that. Because yes, we're going to talk about a lot of things from Jesus this morning, right? About false prophets and bearing good fruit and more. But I do think that Jesus, in his tree analogy, which he uses here and actually elsewhere in the New Testament as well, I think it's him who wants us to hear everything we're going to talk about and kind of feel the whole time. And man, I really need God's grace. Because on my own, I am a diseased tree. And so in all of this, I need God to forgive me and change me, which we can all take heart does happen when we trust Jesus really in the gospel. But, but more on that later. But anyway, so, so that's the emphasis on grace and even the gospel, I think, underlines this whole passage. But that then brings us to our outline for how we'll now go through exactly what Jesus says here in this paragraph. And, and so for this morning, church, this is an interesting passage because there's really two main topics here. The immediate issue of false prophets and then the more general topic of there being two types of trees. Which means for us this morning, those will actually be our two main sections together, our two main sections. Because as for our outline, first, we're going to begin in verse 15 and part of verse 16. And there we're going to see Jesus more specifically talk about this issue of false prophets who come to us in sheep's clothing. And there we'll see how that applies to false prophets, but also how that applies to you and me. But then second, that'll then lead us to the rest of verse 16 through all of verse 20, and there we're going to dig further into this more general topic of there being only two types of trees, which we'll see, of course, applies to false prophets, but also to you and me. And so that's where we're going this morning. In summary, two sections. First, the specific issue of false prophets. Second, the more general topic of there being, of you and I being, only one of two types of trees. But all said, let's then begin our first section together here at church. And for this, again, verse 15 and the first part of verse 16. And Jesus is going to address the specific issue of false prophets. But first, let's just start by hearing from Jesus and read just verse 15. Just verse 15. So remember, Jesus just finished teaching about two gates and two paths. Which leads him, I think, to say this in verse 15. Beware of false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So after talking about the two paths, Jesus now here decides to talk about prophets. And this is probably an intentional transition because the, the picture from the previous section, remember, was entering gates and walking down paths. And now here, Jesus almost in a way continues that picture by talking about how as we consider the right gate and try to walk down the right path, we're not alone. Instead, not only are we in this with other people, but also there are other people talking to us who claim that they're speaking for God. Because in basic, and more can be said on this, but in basic, that's really what a prophet is in the Bible. Because in the Old Testament, it was crystal clear. A prophet wasn't someone who necessarily told the future. That's usually how we use the word today. But in the Bible, more technically, a prophet was just someone who spoke for God. That's all it meant. And, yet, and, then, and then, yes, if they did really speak for God, meaning God's actual words, then some of the prophets did predict things in the future and such. But that said, I hope you know, a prophet by definition is just someone who when they speak, it's thus says the Lord. Or this is what God is actually saying. And so that was clearly what a prophet was in the Old Testament. I believe then in the New Testament, this word keeps that same exact meaning. 
And so, and so all that said, that's this word prophet, and that's the issue, or really that's the type of people that Jesus decides to talk about here. Right? People claiming that they're speaking for God. But more specifically on that, as you can see, Jesus doesn't just talk about prophets in general here, but he decides to warn against. He tells us to beware of false prophets. Right? False prophets. And quickly, it is interesting because notice, Jesus actually doesn't talk about any true prophets here. Instead, he just is warning about false prophets. Right? Concerning what that means, now that we know what a prophet actually is, what then is it that would make somebody a false prophet? Well, obviously, the answer is, if a prophet is someone who's saying that they're speaking for God, then a false prophet is someone who, while they are claiming to speak for God, Jesus is saying they're actually not. Right? If you know your Bibles at all, you probably know that this happened in the Old Testament a handful of times as well. There, there were false prophets. Because even in the Old Testament, there were people who came on the scene and said they were speaking for God. And yet God said of them, for example, Jeremiah 14, 14, quote, There are prophets who prophesy in my name, and yet I did not send them. Or, as God says of these false prophets in Jeremiah 23, 21, quote, I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. And so false prophets were something in the Old Testament, and now they're warned about by Jesus here in the New Testament. But continue on in this verse, that's not even all that Jesus says here, right? Because perhaps the strangest thing about what Jesus says here in verse 15 is that these prophets aren't just false, but they're going to come in sheep's clothing. Well, inwardly, they're actually ravenous wolves. And this is where, honestly, this starts to really apply to us and to what you and I need to be aware of. Because think about it. It is one thing for a false prophet or even just a false teacher to be obviously false. Right? And if that's the case, there's not really much danger. Right? And quickly, we know this is true today because think about it. The less dangerous people are the people who say that they're speaking for God, but they're obviously just not. Right? Because what they're saying is so wacky or clearly unbiblical or something like that. Right? Those sort of teachers might draw some followers, but usually not many. But rather than that, what's actually the bigger danger? Well, Jesus says the bigger danger back then with false prophets and the, and the danger still for you and I today with some people who claim to be prophets or just false teachers is that they say they speak for God and on the surface, they look like it. Right? They look like Christians. They might be pastors. Right? They, they might have a large following. They look like they're really using God's word. They look like a sheep, meaning they appear to be a follower of Jesus, the great shepherd. But inwardly, what's actually going on? Well, they're not truly following Jesus. And what they're saying isn't actually God's word. And therefore, if believed, they deeply hurt God's sheep. Which is why Jesus says they're ravenous wolves. Right, so that's verse 15. That's what Jesus is telling you and I to beware of. Which leads us to one more point, though, before we move on to the next verse. And this one is huge for you and me to really consider when we think about false prophets or even just false teachers today. And that's that notice. Jesus says that these people look like sheep, but inwardly are ravenous wolves, meaning they actually do hurt God's people in a deep way. But here's what's so important for you and I to notice, especially with our cultural dispositions we've inherited. And that's that notice. Jesus doesn't necessarily say, though, here that these false prophets 
each know that they're in really ravenous wolves. Meaning, we don't necessarily know the sincerity or the intention of these false prophets. We know that they ultimately, inwardly are ravenous wolves. They're not sheep. But Jesus does not tell us if each of these prophets knows that about themselves. And really, if you hear anything this morning about false prophets and just false teachers this morning, I do hope it's this. Because this is so often misunderstood by by well-intentioned followers of Jesus in our culture today. Because we're all about sincerity, right? We're we're all about someone meaning well. And that's a good thing to a degree. But I hope you know the truth is sincerity technically is not the most important thing. Or to say it another way, what makes a teacher true according to God's word is not that they just mean well. Right? And now it is true. We, we all could say that if someone knows, if we found out somebody knew they were a ravenous wolf and they were intentionally hiding it, that could be in a way worse than someone who doesn't know it. But either way, Jesus' point is when someone comes and they claim to speak for God, and they actually aren't, no, no matter what they think of themselves, and no matter, honestly, if they seem sincere to us or not, either way, what matters is, are they really speaking for God? And, and the point is, if they're not, no matter their intentions or sincerity, they will cause destructions to, destruction to followers of Jesus, to you and me, if we decide to listen to them. All right, so that's, that's verse 15. Which finally on this first section so leads us to the first half of verse 16. And so look there now. Jesus' first sentence of verse 16. He now says this. You will recognize them by their fruits. So after verse 15, we might wonder, but how how can we know if somebody was claiming to speak for God or even teach for God, how can we know if they're genuine? Right? In the whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, there's always two main answers to that. Two main answers. And Jesus decides to focus on the second answer here. First is testing what they say by God's already revealed written word. Right? Or by, or by our Bibles now. And the second, though, is focusing on the prophets or the teacher's fruit. Meaning what they produce. And again, it's the second test that Jesus decides to focus on here. And this applies to you and me because this then is a way that we can recognize who is true to God's word. Jesus is telling us here that we should look at their fruit. Right, and to be clear, this idea of fruit is a pretty general term here by Jesus because a teacher's fruit would include things like their life, and we should look into that, but also fruit would include things like the result of what they're teaching. Right, meaning we should, we should look and we should ask things like, does this teaching produce humble, genuine followers of Jesus? Is it, is it bringing glory to the living triune God? Does it promote reliance on the true gospel of Jesus Christ? Right, questions like that. Or are they using their prophecy or their teaching for selfish gain? Right, or are they, are they misrepresenting and really twisting God's word? Or concerning the fruit of their teaching, are they teaching things that in the end don't really glorify God, but glorify themselves? or make much of us as human beings, or just promote their popularity or their organization, or fixate on current cultural trends instead of Christ. 
And of course, more could be said on all that. But again, in summary, Jesus is saying to them back then about prophets who would appear on the scene. And I think he's saying to all of us today about any supposed prophets or even just Christian false teachers. And he's telling us as his followers that part of what we should do to recognize teachers of God's word is to focus on the fruit on the result of what they teach. We should always test everything by God's word and we should see if what somebody's teaching really leads to the glory of God. Because, because finally on this, just think about it. The truth is, church, often with false teachers, and for example, just, just think about how this happens. Just be blunt with prosperity gospel teachers that you see on TV and such. Meaning, meaning teachers who make Christianity just about getting prosperity in your life and essentially make it a lot about stuff and money. If you look closely at the fruit of such teaching, both in the lives of those who teach it and in the lives of their followers, you'll see it almost never actually makes people have a deep love for Jesus himself or for God's glory or for the true gospel Instead, much more often, such teaching like that will use God, often use God like a genie, but it really produces such things like the teacher's huge uh, profitable financial gain. Or it produces inside of people not a love for Jesus, but an inflamed love for stuff and money. Or other such false teaching produces a large following that becomes pumped up, but not about God and his gospel and his glory, but we're all pumped up about being right about some political debate or something like that. And so again, Jesus' point is, by whatever fruit we see, we can see a lot about the supposed prophet or just a Christian teacher in general. So that's our first section about the specific issue of false prophets that Jesus brings up. And quickly, let me just say, I know that maybe was a lot. It's heavy. And I know that maybe for some of us in this room, that really to you might not seem that practical or applicable to you personally. But just just let me make this crystal clear. Brothers and sisters, we all do need to realize that we each live in a world where so many people are claiming to speak for God in a way. So many people, because, because what Jesus is talking about here, of course, can happen with someone who specifically uses the title prophet, uh, which is concerning, or it can happen with Christian teachers or pastors, of course. But also, to bring this down to the most common level, just, just think about it. This also can happen all the time, in a way, with just people you might encounter on social media, or on YouTube, or sometimes in your news feeds. People who claim a point... And then they basically say that their point is true because they have God on your side, on their side. You see that? They might not be using the title prophet in a biblical sense, but they are claiming to speak for God in a way. And really concerning that, I do think the overarching point here from Jesus applies even to that because the point is, brothers and sisters, if that happens, we need to be so careful. So careful. Because consider this, the most important reality in the universe is God. And and us as human beings really having a relationship with God. And us being saved and Jesus the only Savior. And what it looks like to really follow Jesus. And we only know all about those things because of what God has actually told us in his written word. Right? And that said, why then such false prophets or any false teachers or anyone claiming to have God on their side is such a big deal because they are claiming to speak for God. Right? And when that happens and when people believe it, of course, is really going to impact who you, who they really are deep down. 
And that's why just really practically for you and I in this room, we should never make a claim that we are speaking for God or claim that God is on our side on a certain topic unless he's explicitly revealed something in his written word. And that is also why I think Jesus is telling us here to beware. Because again, this is serious. It really affects us. It really affects others. Because when God really speaks, being who he is, he always speaks truth and he always speaks the words of life. God's actual words give peace and life and the good news of Jesus to you and I deep down in our bones. But again, when someone is saying they're speaking for God and they're actually not, and yet we or others believe them, then our view of God can become messed up and things inside of us can get really off. It can lead us astray and hurt us as we're unknowingly getting bit by ravenous wolves. And so brothers and sisters, let me just say, just be careful. <laughs> be, be careful of what supposed Christian or just religious sounding teachers that you're listening to on your podcasts, on YouTube, on social media, or anywhere else. Please just test everything by God's written word and look at the fruit, both for your good and the glory of Jesus. So that's the first topic. This specific issue here, false prophets. But that now does lead us to the second section this morning where Jesus in this paragraph transitions in a way to the more general topic of there only being two types of trees, two types of trees. And just to be super clear on this from the start, unless you're confused, when Jesus is talking here about two types of trees, he's clearly saying that there's ultimately only two types of people in this world. And so he goes from talking about false prophets to generally now talking about who they and about who we each ultimately are. But that said, before we talk more about it, let's first just continue hearing from Jesus. And so now to begin the second section, we'll just first read the second half of verse 16. Picking up where we left off, Jesus now says this. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And, and so in some ways, right, the idea of what Jesus is getting at here is pretty obvious, right, as it should be. But because his point is concerning plants and their fruits, you're not going to get grapes from thorn bush, nor are you going to get figs from thistles. And that's pretty obvious. But perhaps what's most interesting about that, and I didn't know this until studying this this week, is that as one commentator I read this week said on this verse, quote, from a distance, the little black berries on the buckthorn could be mistaken for grapes. And the flowers on certain thistles might deceive one into thinking figs are growing, but no one would be long deceived, end quote. In other words, the plants that Jesus is referring to here, yes, they couldn't actually produce grapes or figs, but fascinatingly, from a distance, it might seem like they could. And knowing that, once again, Jesus' point is that's true for false prophets and it's true for people like you and I as well. And this is why such discernment is necessary because again, concerning false prophets and false teachers, it is not that they're so obviously diseased trees. Instead, they look like sheep and from a distance, it could seem to us that there's grapes or that there's a fig growing in what they're saying. Means it's, meaning it's possible that it might seem that what they're doing, what they're saying is genuinely glorifying Jesus. But Jesus' point is again, when you actually look closely, they're not going to produce good fruit. And why? Well, because a diseased tree doesn't and actually can't produce good fruit. And in fact, that's exactly what Jesus is going to say next. So now look at verses 17 and 18. We'll read those now. Continuing on, verses 17 and 18. So, 
Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. It's not here. If you look closely, this is where it does seem that Jesus decides to take this topic from specifically talking about false prophets and then also applying it more generally and even to everyone. Because notice, Jesus decides to verse, start verse 17 with, so every healthy tree. In other words, he's now making a, a more general statement, it seems, about every tree, or really every person who is a tree. And his point is that there's basically just two types of people, two types of trees in the world, two, tri- two types, healthy and diseased. And concerning these two types of trees, Jesus is clear, right? First, concerning the healthy trees, from them comes good fruit. And that word good can also be translated pleasing or beautiful. And so there's one type of person who, according to Jesus, somehow does produce that type of good and beautiful fruit in God's world. And remember, fruit is just mainly talking about the overall results in such a life. And so one tree does produce good fruit, but then on the other hand, there's this diseased tree. Or in the original language, that word disease can also be translated as rotten or just corrupt. And that tree, of course, produces the opposite of good fruit. And that's bad or even evil fruit. And so, and so we probably understand that right from verse 17. That's plain. But that does lead us, though, to that more difficult verse 18. Verse 18. And out of all the verses in here, this is probably the one, if you were paying attention, that at first was the most confusing to hear. Because look again at verse 18. Jesus says this, A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And that's tough because we might hear that and think, okay, I get the idea of trees representing people and diseased trees being us apart from Jesus and healthy trees representing followers of Jesus, as we're going to talk more about. But we might think, but come on, Jesus. I mean, sometimes bad people do do good things or unbelievers do good things. And of course, we know sometimes often we as Christians do bad things. And let me say, of course, certainly that is 100% true. But, but that pushback, I think, is misunderstanding Jesus' actual point here. Because the truth is, the Bible is clear. Yes, it is true that when we use our own temporary judgments, and, and, and when we're the ones who define what's good, what happens is we do see that bad people sometimes do good things, and we see that Christians, of course, often do bad things. But the truth is, church, that when we do that, we should realize we're the ones making temporary judgments, and we're the ones ultimately defining good and bad. But the truth is, as the Bible says, for each and every one of us, all that we do on our own, apart from grace, it is stained with sin. It is. And the Bible's really clear that everything we do is stained with unforgiven sin if we don't know Jesus. And and not only that, but if we don't know God through Jesus, then in all that we do, Apart from being a Christian and knowing Jesus, in everything that we do, there would be no reliance on God. There would be little or caring less about seeking to do things for God's glory. There's no honor to God and more. And once again, in our universe, with God really being the most important reality here, we can then see that with us naturally just not loving or honoring God at all, then that would mean that all the things that would seem like good fruit to us they're actually ultimately, in the end, pretty spoiled fruits. 
And so that's, that's what the Bible teaches elsewhere too. And that's, that's the challenge then in a way from verse 18. A diseased tree cannot ultimately bear good fruit. But also, and finally on verse 18, if you look at this verse from a totally other, a different angle, and for us as Christians, what's surprisingly encouraging here is that to those of us who, who love Jesus' gospel and have been forgiven and by God's grace been changed into healthy trees, we apparently cannot produce ultimately bad fruit. You see that? A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. And now, that might even seem crazier to us. Because <laughs> right, even as Christians, we know we sin all the time. And Jesus knows that, which is why he is not saying that a healthy tree never sins. Rather, I think he's saying that the truth is, if we do really know him, then your sins are always covered and paid for because of his cross. And since we're continually becoming like him, what, what we do produce in our lives or really what God ultimately does produce through us, church, is good and beautiful fruit. Yes, we do often mess up, but all of our mess ups are forgiven. Jesus is making you and I more like himself. And therefore, concerning the, the way and the result of the lives of us in Jesus' kingdom, even, even the stumbling, I keep messing up and repenting, I keep messing up and repenting kind of way in life, Jesus is telling us that that is ultimately a good thing and leads to much good and beautiful fruit. And again, for, for you here this morning, if you are a genuine Christian, you should be encouraged by that. Because that means if you know Jesus, of course you and I mess up and Jesus knows that more than we do. But God is also producing good and beautiful fruit in your life. You should know that. So that's verses 17 and 18. We still have two more verses. So now continuing on from Jesus, that leads us to verse 19 now. Where now he's going to add something more specific about diseased trees. Look down now, verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And so now Jesus is firm and clear about diseased trees. And quickly, this is, a, this is a really good example of where Jesus is the most loving person who has ever lived. And because he is so loving, he, he says the hard truths sometimes. And, and, and this is one of them. And that is that in reality, in the end, every tree that doesn't bear good fruit which we now know from the previous verses means that each person must become a healthy tree in the gospel first. But Jesus says that every tree that doesn't produce good fruit like that is eventually cut down and thrown to the fire. Meaning rightly judged, punished, and, and sentenced to hell. And this, interestingly, is something similar to what John the Baptist actually already said in this book earlier in his ministry. Because in the same book of Matthew, in Matthew 3, 9, and 10, John the Baptist actually said this to the religious Jews back, day, back in his day. He said this, quote, And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. End quote. Right, and so hearing that from John the Baptist and hearing this from Jesus here, you, you can start to see the point. Because the point from Jesus here is that what type of tree you are really does matter. Right? It matters for what type of fruit you produce, of course, but it also does matter concerning your eternal destiny. Right? That's just Jesus makes that really clear. I hope you know that. 
And then though, the point from John the Baptist is similar in a way, but even more specifically, he basically said in this tree talk, and remember, he said this to religious Jews back then who really did, quote unquote, believe in God. He basically said, and do not presume to say to yourself that you're a child of God just because you call yourself that. And bringing those two things together from Jesus here and from John the Baptist, if we do that, finally, I do think that we see the overall and I think the most important takeaway from all of this tree talk. And what is it? Well, the takeaway for you and I isn't to actually hear all this fruit talk and leave here thinking that we need to, by our own willpower, somehow change ourselves and make ourselves healthy trees and do our best to produce good fruit. Because remember, as we opened with, think of this analogy here. A tree can't do that. We can't do that. Hear me out. The goal here is not to hear all this talk about good and bad fruits and then somehow try your best to do good fruit and so make yourself a healthy tree. That's not how botany works. Right? That's not how you and I work. That's got it backwards. Instead, the analogy here of being a certain type of tree points us to our need for something else to happen first. It points us to our need for grace and ultimately to our need of the gospel of Jesus' forgiveness. And even more specifically, going even further, this also points us to the fact that church, it doesn't actually mainly matter what we're claiming about what type of tree we are. But instead, what really matters is what type of tree we actually are. Because remember, John the Baptist said this earlier in Matthew to the religious Jews back in his day. And remember, Jesus here is saying this about false prophets. People who are saying they love God and that they're even speaking for God. And so what matters less apparently is what we actually say, but instead who we actually are. Meaning we have to ask, have I really embraced the gospel of Jesus? Not just in word, but actually genuinely in my heart. And does that show in my life? Which is why, finally on this passage, Jesus concludes like this in verse 20. And so now look down at verse 20. And this applies to the false prophets, but also to us. Verse 20. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So this verse applies specifically to false prophets because again, Jesus' point is you will recognize them, false prophets or any false teachers by their fruits. Right, and we get that. But that's not all this verse means because remember, Jesus is talking about every tree in this section and he says, thus you will recognize them, not just false prophets, but every tree by their fruits. That means finally here, I do think that Jesus wants us to not only analyze and recognize any Christian teachers or supposed prophets by looking at their fruit, but also he, he wants us to look at ourselves and to analyze ourselves about this. Or to say it another way, thus you will recognize them by your fruits. That should also lead us to each ask the important question again of, of okay, well, what fruit do I actually show? Do, do I see myself showing forth good fruit or bad fruit? And now again, as we ask that, we really need to keep in mind two really important things. Two important things. First, again, we need to remember that good fruit doesn't mean that we do not sin. We are not talking about perfection. Rather, instead, what we are talking about is genuine, Jesus-loving, wanting God's glory type of fruit. Actual effects in your life, the evidence that you really want to live for God's glory and that you do humbly, genuinely love Jesus and his gospel. 
Right, so we need to remember that first. And the second, we also need to remember that we're not talking about first becoming good enough to become a good tree, right? That's got it backwards. So we're not talking about perfection, nor are we talking about being good enough to be okay with God. But instead, what are we talking about? Well, again, we're really talking about considering, number one, have I embraced Jesus in the gospel? Not just in what I say, but in my heart. And number two, does that show in my life? Do I, do I evidence that in what my life actually produces in my heart, my words, my actions? Right, those are the questions this tree talk points us to. And I know you might have heard this before, but let me just say, because this is so important, asking those sort of questions is, in the Bible, the test of genuine faith. Right, not only from Jesus here, but also all over the Bible. The genuine test of faith, according to God's word, isn't, do you claim to have faith? Right? Do you claim to be a Christian? That's good, but that's not it. And sometimes, church, honestly, we, we so fixate on that, right? Just what we or what someone else claims. And this is especially the case, because I hope you know, in our evangelical churches and culture, and especially in our history, in the last 50 years or so, everyone recognizes this, the, the theological idea of what has now been called by many people easy believism has had a ton of influence in our churches. And this idea has basically been that as long as you raised a hand once, Right, or made a verbal confession about Jesus at one point, or even if you just believe in God's existence or believe in Jesus, then you're saved. Then you're right with God. Then you're a healthy tree. But to, to every one of you in here in love, let me just say, that is not true. Rather, we are saved by trusting in Jesus alone. But true faith, actually embracing Jesus, isn't merely or mainly just something we say. Rather, it's something that really happens in our hearts. And it changes us. And quickly, to, sh to show that that's true, if you're a little concerned with that, and to show that Jesus clearly teaches that, just, just look down to your Bibles at literally the next verse that Jesus is about to say. We're going to cover this next week, but it's by no coincidence that Jesus is about to say this next in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And so, being a Christian isn't just a mere confession because there are people who call him and say to him, Lord, Lord, and they are not saved. But again, neither is salvation or being okay with God something where we have to be good enough to become healthy trees. Instead, what is it? Well, it's that Jesus alone is the Savior and the King. And we do trust him alone and what he did alone to be saved and to enter into a genuine relationship with God. But also, once we know Jesus, we are given God's spirit to amazingly be changed into a healthy tree. And then because the gospel changes us like that, not perfectly, but truly, we become people who genuinely, stumbling, stumblingly, yes, and perfectly, yes, and even sinfully, yes, but we become people who by God's grace and because of the gospel alone and because of God's spirit in us alone, we produce good fruit. That's the gospel. And that's how Jesus not only forgives us, but he by his spirit changes us. So that's our passage, church. That's the warning about false prophets. And that's Jesus telling us the importance of what type of tree we are and how that shows in our fruit, which leads us, as we close, just quickly, one more time. And especially because we know most of us in here probably do confess to know Jesus because by God's grace, we're in church this morning. <laughs> All right, it just leads us one last time to make sure 
that we really do each ask, do I really trust Jesus? Do I love him? And does that show in how I think and act in my life? Or am I just using Jesus? Or am I just kind of going to church? Or perhaps biggest of all, do I kind of just use God talk in my life when I'm speaking to certain other people? But, but deep down, do I know that I'm really doing it just because I want to do it for my own selfish reasons or for my own attention or for my own glory or for my own purposes? And do I know that honestly, day in and day out, deep down, I don't really care that much about God or about Jesus? I, that's the question I hope we all consider, even right now. And then finally for this morning, though, one last thing. If you are here, which is many of you I know, and by God's grace, after analyzing your heart and your imperfect but genuine Christian life, you do see that you do really trust in Jesus, that you love him. Because there is such a thing, I want you to know, as having assurance. Then finally for this morning, first, I hope you just give God the glory and be thankful for him this morning. Because again, none of us can make ourselves into healthy trees. That is all by God's grace. He gets the glory. And then second, of course, please be careful of false teachers because they will lead you away from Jesus if you believe them. But then third and finally, let's also, as all of us as Christians, let's take this teaching from Jesus here and really be encouraged. Because yes, you and I are still sinners, but being healthy trees, Jesus says we can take heart that he taught us this and he's telling us that also amazingly, he does use you as one of his people to produce good and beautiful fruit in his world. Amen? Amen, let's pray.